0: hello and welcome to the guys like us podcast this is your host tyler Brondike, and today i'm joined with clint grider who's an author strategist and much more so stay tuned welcome back everyone to the guys like us podcast this is your host tyler Brondike, and thank you for tuning into today's episode with Clint Greider, who is an author and strategist. I'm very excited for this podcast episode today, but before I do so, if you'd like to sign up and subscribe to our newsletter, visit theguyslikeus.com and a pop-up should appear where you can enter in your information, or if you scroll to the bottom, you can enter in your information there. This is super helpful so that we can stay in contact with you And also hear from you. What are things that you enjoy about the podcast? Who are guests you'd like to see on? Is there anything else that we can add uh, of value in your life as well? Well, today I'm speaking with Clint and he is uh, a systems and process guy. He um, really understands the needs of the church, how to ensure that your ministry um, is achieving the impact effectiveness connectedness that you desire um, i love he uses this analogy of the underground uh, train system in london with train stations and destinations far too often there is a misalignment or we have a station that is uh, we're trying to put people the station doesn't match the train so to speak of where we are and so we're designing programs for the wrong people um we don't have a good pulse of what our people need and how we can help them grow in impact for whatever our you know our metrics of success are so to speak and so um Pray that this is an impactful conversation for you and that you can think through your leadership and we are all leaders We all lead in some capacity and are called to be leaders in our faith journey. So stay tuned Welcome to the guys like us podcast and thanks for joining me today
1: Thanks so much tyler. I appreciate you having me on.
0: Yes, thank you. And so we've um We've been chatting for a little bit now, and um, you know, I we were talking, and you know, a lot of I, you know, learned a lot more about you, and I'm sure our listeners would like to know a little bit more about who you are, and even as I was doing my background research, you know, and getting to know you, I was I was wondering what a strategist entailed, and so you know, looking at some of the work that you've done with um, Oxano and a lot of the kind of process improvement. So I would love for you just to share a little bit more about your faith background and. How that? Um, how you know you find yourself in the in the role and work you're doing today?
1: Yeah, absolutely happy to do that. Um, I come from a higher education and nonprofit leadership background, and so my master's was in educational psychology, and my doctoral research, uh, as you mentioned, was in process improvement and group dynamics. And so mm-hmm. I've always had this uh, this fascination with what motivates people. What really connects with them deeply and how organizations either connect with them or they don't. And sometimes there's barriers that organizations will put up that they don't even realize uh, uh, that they're doing. And so, uh, so I worked with research universities and Christian universities. Hmm. And uh, along the way, uh, God really stirred in me a deeper and deeper passion for his church and hmm. for the people in his church. And, uh, and so that led to me being ordained as a pastor, uh, eventually in full-time ministry, working with a lot of parachurch organizations and hundreds of churches, uh, all the way up until uh, what I'm doing now, which is uh, a real blessing. I get to uh, work with churches all around the country in, uh, in helping leaders dig deeply into disciple-making uh, as part of a consulting ministry. Mm -hmm. Uh, That I'm I'm part of. What is real life disciple making? How do we multiply this in a way that truly connects uh, to people in a meaningful Mm -hmm. way?
0: Mm -hmm. Well, that's super fascinating for me. And so I I like to nerd out, you know, my I have, um, you know, work in a nonprofit type capacity, parachurch organization. And, you know really involved in local church as well in discipleship and then my wife has a you know works in higher ed and has a psychology biblical studies background and so I feel like we should have you over for dinner' love <laughs> to would love to, <laughs> would love love to connect so so no so it's you know it's funny it, it, one of the initial questions I had right is you said that you're kind of shifting from higher education you know in some sense to the local church feeling that call um, I'm rest, I kind of wrestle with that. The difference between those, because I'm an executive director for a nonprofit, and we, I'm always, I'm people kind of think of me as a systems guy because I'm always trying to think about how we can do things better, make things more effective, um, make it easier for you know our volunteers, our leaders, while giving them opportunities to grow and serving. You know, this is all I'm sure resonating. Um, But then also recognizing that the church is, yes, it's kind of a moving organism, which is, you know, it it is a, it's a nonprofit in some sense, you know, in terms of probably the the government's status, but operates a little bit differently maybe than a parachurch organization. And so I would love just to hear for you what your experience has been kind of personally in that, that transition from thinking about what... What is so different between a church, maybe, and a parachurch organization, which I think that would just be helpful.
1: Yeah, no, no, I love that. It's, you know, I think it stems from the reality of the world that we're living in today. The, we live in such a complex, changing world. It's turbulent. You know, people need the gospel of Jesus more than ever before uh they they need the compassion of jesus mm-hmm. more than ever before mm-hmm. in their lives and mm-hmm. and the crazy thing is as you begin to look at systems as you begin to look at the way churches are organized pastors consistently are telling me "A uh, clint uh, we weren't trained in seminary for this we, we you know as we've been serving it's become more and more difficult to reach larger numbers of people we may reach a few but how do we know if we're really doing the most effective things and Mm -hmm. and so what it what it really leads to tyler is Mm -hmm. this this interesting place of dissonance you know there's this dissonance where there's this deep passion and call that so many leaders in the church have to reach people uh, with the gospel right and Mm -hmm. and yet there's this dissonance am i doing the things that god is really calling me to and because so many aren't trained in systems theory, when you get into a really complex environment, like the world we're living in today, where things are constantly changing, it makes it harder because you don't know how to plan for that. And, and so many hmm. leaders uh, will uh, will address this by saying, well, we just need to work harder at, we, at what we already know. And what it tends to do is wear them out. And hmm. uh, and so pretty fascinating when, when you dig deeper uh, hmm. in, yeah. in, into this. We, we all say we want to make disciples who make disciples, but so many leaders struggle with doing that in a way that deeply connects and sustains. And so that's the you know that's the real uh, that's the real difference here is is that there are gaps between mm. uh, what churches are experiencing, what they're intending, and what they're actually experiencing. And so so the, the Mind the Gap book and even the metaphor uh, with that really helped to begin to close those gaps and help leaders uh, be more successful.
0: Mm. So that that word dissonance certainly uh, strikes a chord. I, you know, I know I'm I'm am probably on the younger side, and we have listeners twenties, thirties, forties, fifties, sixties. You know, yeah. different ages. Love that. And so I, you know, went to seminary and then was then got involved in the local church, and I felt that dissonance of wow, I I know how to write a twenty-five page paper, right, and have make my points and have my thesis and everything, but Some sense it's, you know, I have my model of discipleship or my, you know, I have a good understanding of the Sabbath, but then I can't, you know, there's a, I expect something of certain way of growth, right, in people I'm uh, trying to serve who maybe aren't, you know, predisposed to this type of learning style that I might be. So, I'm, you know, I, I had to do some, okay, and even this podcast is Faith Conversations for the Common Man. And so I'm trying to really relate, you know, big ideas into break them down, help people grow in their faith and their knowledge of God in the spiritual disciplines and their prayer, all these things. And it's different. I didn't learn that in seminary. Right. And so you're, this yeah. is, this is all, this is all striking a chord for sure. And so can you just tell me a little bit more? You mentioned the book mind the gap, which is it's now available. And by the time this podcast releases will be available what was the inspiration behind this? And uh, give us just maybe a, a bit more of a primer for folks who are uh, who aren't so familiar.
1: Yeah, I would would love to. And you've spent time in Europe, right? You you played the real football in Germany uh, uh, for for a while, and so you probably spent some time in London, didn't you? I
0: I visited London. I'm I'm a Chelsea fan myself. Although recently yeah. it's been hard to to support the the team after the, the <laughs> oh my goodness. So hopefully. Hopefully this summer we have uh, some more more hope. But yes, I am. Uh, I, I mind the gap is definitely a, a phrase that you know is uh, I I remember while well taking the the you know the underground train system, and so um, yeah, it's a it's a cool For those place. Of your,
1: uh, your listeners who aren't familiar uh, with the London Underground, it is it's the largest and oldest subway system uh, in the world, mm-hmm. and, and it really is a fascinating uh, system. Uh, Hmm. one thing that's really iconic about it, the whole mind the gap thing uh, that you just mentioned is when you go into the stations uh, because it's such an old subway, there there are many parts uh, of the system where the trains kind of come up against these curved platforms. And sometimes the Mm -hmm. platform is high or low. And so you see emblazoned uh, throughout the, uh, the stations, uh, the phrase mind the gap. And, And in fact, uh, you hear it booming uh, across the, the loudspeakers. These are gaps that we need to pay attention to. And, and as I spent time in London and began to look at this, God, God really began to reveal to me, you know, there's things about this system. There are there, those gaps that, that leaders are facing in churches. And everything we do in churches hmm. relates to a, a very straightforward system uh, that, that's very similar to the underground. I think it's a helpful yeah. uh, mm-hmm. a, a metaphor. Uh, in the underground, you have trains and stations and destinations. Mm-hmm. And so if we're going to look at this from, from the standpoint of our personal lives or as we're leading in ministry, there's certain destinations, and we think of those as the growing fruit uh, in our lives that we're seeking to shepherd, that we're seeking to disciple uh, in people's lives. Uh, you know, those those could be things like personal habits. The trains represent those kinds of things. So the trains are are kind of like constants in a way that we're seeking Mm -hmm. habits or maybe there's certain things in churches that churches are doing on a regular basis that they desire for people to engage in, in an ongoing way because that's going to lead to that growing fruit Mm -hmm. uh, in in their lives. And, and you know, the big idea here is that you can't get people on the right trains if you don't have the right stations. And, And this gets back to that idea of dissonance because stations are more like the waypoints that get people on the right trains and and what happens time and time again is that hmm. if leaders are not paying careful attention to how they're designing the stations meaning maybe those short term events that you do like like in your church uh, Tyler do you guys do short term events or, 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 or that kind of thing sometimes
0: yep absolutely
1: so yeah, so yeah. so, what are some examples of those
0: in, ter- in terms of like discipleship type moments you mean or yeah well
1: so maybe it's, so, uh, maybe it's a, a short-term, you know, short-term events that you yeah. do. Are there? So we do. Yeah. What, like, what are some of those?
0: We'll have like kickoff events, right? Which are um, so like our men's life. We, we're launching our men's life, and so we'll have this kickoff, mm-hmm. which is hoping to foster more relational connection connectivity, right, between yeah. church members, right. That's one. Another is like kind of these shorter-term like classes, and so this is like how to read the Bible, you know, how to pray. And these are more five, six weeks, so maybe a little bit longer than, you know, a one-day kind of event, kickoff event, but are moments where we we pour in and then try and plug people into, you know, into our connect groups, which is our yeah. kind of our life or small groups, right?
1: Love that. you, you Yeah, you, those are great examples, and you described that beautifully because, because you're right. Those... Those shorter-term events are intended to ramp people into something that's longer-term, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And uh, and so the idea is uh, that there has to be intentionality around that. And what happens is is for many churches they do those kinds of things. So remember, the short-term events are kind of like the trains to point, or excuse me, the, the stations to point people to the right trains. But but sometimes what happens is is people will get into a station and it's not pointing them in the direction that they are thinking or hmm. uh, the leaders of the church assume that because people are at the station that they're going to get on the right train when there may be trains going all different directions. And it may not be the right train that you're pointing them to based on where they are in their journey. Hmm. And so the, the idea here is that the vast majority of the time people don't make their their, their next moves because we don't give them the right next moves to make. Hmm. And that's where the metaphor of the right stations connecting to the hmm. right trains leading to the right destinations for people on their journey can be so powerful.
2: Hmm.
0: And so, destinations, can you, you know, I think we want to see fruit and success in the things we invest our time into. And, um, but as you said, I think that there's sometimes misalignment in where we're, I guess, the stations, as you said, that were, um, maybe it's the wrong station for what we're trying to, you know, or just trying to we're putting someone on the wrong station or, you know, there's a there's misalignment there. Can you explain a little bit more just practically, you know, an example of how maybe a church that you've been worked with or then realigned or kind of thought through a different way of, okay, maybe we're, here. here's a new, because I, I think for me, I, I'm thinking of a big picture and I can resonate with it, but then what is that next okay, then what, what, how do you know that you're, that you're putting someone onto the wrong, you know,
1: absolutely. This is, you know, this is where what you're really getting at is how can leaders know if their, their church's results are matching their intent. Hmm. And so, uh, you know, all that starts with a focus on destinations and getting Mm. real clear in a, in a very personal way and a very practical way. So let me give you just, just a a few examples. So one church I was working with, um, And then I'll even uh, give you a case study Mm or two. mm -hmm. Uh, One church I was working with uh, phrased a destination this way: Um, "I find myself becoming more and more sensitive to the Spirit's leading, to Mm. the Spirit's prompting throughout my day. Mm. Where, where do I? I mean, do I really sense myself consistently growing in that? Does that always reflect my life? Is that uh, often or 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 rarely? If I'm honest. Um, Another one: I know the character traits of God well enough." to discern between the Spirit's voice and other things I might hear or think.
2: Hmm.
1: So, you, you know, you start to lean in. Th- then you can get really, really practical. Um, when someone wrongs me, I find myself responding first with compassion and curiosity about what might be going on in, my life, in their life uh, versus responding a different way, hmm. right? <laughs> some of these right. can be a little convicting even. Um, some churches will lean into the family dynamic, in their family ministry, uh, like one uh, church phrased this: I can name a recent situation in my family where I've offered an apology or sought reconciliation. Sometimes harder within your family, right? In family dynamics, even mm-hmm, than mm-hmm. in some other uh, dynamics. Uh, or I cultivate genuine friendships with non-believers to learn about one another's lives and faith journeys. And and, and so, you know, it keeps going. And so these represent foundational disciplines as well as spiritual sensitivities plus missional intentionalities. Hmm. And so in all of our lives, uh, if we're growing, if we're leaning Hmm. into the Word, if we're leaning into what God has for us, we should be growing in these areas. And and the the issue is bringing it to the attention of leaders where they can pay attention. Are the stations and trains that we're designing as a church actually growing those things in people's lives so let Hmm. me give you an example there was a church a large church up in the uh the midwest that i was working with and they uh they established this whole part of their strategy uh it has some similarity to the great work that you're doing at living word at your church uh tyler uh, but they established this idea of community bridges, where they said we want to begin partnering with the community, doing good for the community, with the community, with the ultimate goal of equipping mm-hmm. our people to ultimately build relationship, ongoing relationship with people who are not just in the church, but more importantly outside the church or de-churched or unchurched. And and, and so they they even invested millions of dollars into building this uh, this wonderful community center and. And within the first Hmm. one to two years, had hundreds of thousands of people literally coming through the doors of this for the first time, Hmm. people all throughout the community and involved and engaged. And so, you know, by most people's um, assessment, this was just a dramatic success, right? Hmm. I mean, this sounds pretty exciting, you know, all kinds of ways of partnering and serving the community. And, And yet as they began digging more deeply, there was this nagging concern And they began wondering, "Hmm, are people saying that they're supporting this, but is it really helping to change their individual life? Whereas individuals that they're personally Connecting with people more deeply, and through some of the work that uh, that we did together, we mm-hmm. were actually able to use tools. I mean, there were a number of surveys and, and very relational conversations—not not weird legalistic stuff, but but things that just mm-hmm. extend very naturally. Training of lay leaders to have different conversations with other people in the church,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and, and what they learned was that people voiced great support for this. Mm-hmm. They even participated in some of those short-term events, right? some of the, 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 the stations, the things that were supposed to be ramping them into a train, but they were never getting on those trains personally. Hmm. And so what they found was that it wasn't translating into people's personal missional living. And, and so here's the beautiful thing. Hmm. What they did
2: yeah.
1: was they said, gosh, what we need to do is redefine what community bridges means. <laughs> so so, so hmm. the beautiful thing here is it was just a slight turn of the dial initially, but they said it was something that we would not have known otherwise, and we need to turn the dial. And so what they did was said, hey, let's get into this annual rhythm where as an entire church body, and they emphasized this in all of their worship services mm-hmm. and in a whole lot of different forums, they said we're going to begin a process of every person in the church defining a bold faith move. One area of spiritual growth personally and one area of spiritual influence. And they gave all these examples in, in, in different ways that people could ramp in to doing community bridges individually or to get involved in shared community bridges with others. Hmm. And so they were very intentional. Some, uh, some people tend to be more extroverted and more entrepreneurial, right, naturally, and hmm. others tend to be more introverted. Hey, yeah. God made all of us in his image And so they were Mm -hmm. very careful and intentional to design the right kinds of stations based on what they were actually hearing and the data that they were seeing of what was working and what wasn't. And so this dramatically impacted the ways that people individually uh, began to engage, Hmm. and um, uh, it it completely uh, turned the dial and began to result in actually what the church was going for. Uh, with those uh, those destinations, and so in their case, they got mm-hmm. very specific destinations related to the community bridge area, and they redefined it uh, as as being a bridge that you can build an ongoing relationship with someone prayerfully to join them on their faith journey, mm-hmm. and for both of you to have conversations uh, on that journey. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. No, I think that's good, and um, and so how you know I I think one of the things is how often are we in that reflective posture as well. Um, and, um, I, I'm, I'm just thinking, I think, cause I think that takes an intentionality to be reflective and say, okay, well, let's, let's kind of rethink things. Let's, you know, um, if it, you know, the, maybe there's the old, the old phrase, if it's, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Right. Um, but mm-hmm. in some sense too, like, I mean, we're thinking in new England, right? So in our context too, and I'm sure this is the case a lot across the country, but like, yeah, if we continue to do to a big word that we use in our churches, like, this, we're into a new wineskin right now, right? So, like, a lot of the previous things that were, you know, might have worked or were effective in the past are no longer relevant and no longer connect, right, with folks who we're seeing enter into our church. And so, like, I mean, I'm 29. We have, we're have we having a lot of younger people. And not, not to, to be, you know, a seeker-sensitive kind of type change into that response, but, like, how do we now connect with people who you know, generally, generationally have different um, lived experiences, challenges, um, desires than, you know, a, a, an older church. And I think a lot of, you know, there's a lot of folks who are in, I'm sure there's a lot of churches in the same boat too, right? Of an aging generation, the faith hasn't been passed on necessarily well from, I'm 29, my parents' age, right, in their 50s. And now we're seeing that, you know, the, the increase of, um, you know, uh, post-Christian, post-kind of church, definitely in in the area we're in, um, and so I, I I can just imagine that there's a lot of you know you you're, you have your hands full. A lot of folks are th- you know in this boat and thinking about that.
1: Yeah, you, you know, this is this is really why deconstruction of faith is happening, Even for those who have been in the church and, and maybe are are in kind of that church hmm place in their lives. Maybe mm-hmm. there's even some of your listeners right now who, who you know, have questions about their faith, and they, they're on this mm-hmm. journey, and they're listening, and, and, and they're, you know, maybe there's something going on in their spirit, and, and they're seeking, where are those connections? And, and so it really comes back, think, think about this for a second, put, put yourself into a big city that you're not familiar with for a mm-hmm. moment, and, and go into this big city, and there is some kind of subway system there, mm-hmm. so, so there's something underground. Uh, and let's say you make your way there, but but you're you're not really clear on the map. But you think you know where you're going, and so so you get into this station and you, you get onto mm-hmm. this train. But then to you, it feels like the train is just going in circles. Maybe you're repeating certain yeah. things. That could even apply to someone who's been in the church. That that it, it could feel sometimes. Maybe some of your listeners have been mm-hmm. in the church for mm-hmm. a while. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe they've been in the church their whole lives. Yeah, and yet. The kinds of things that they're doing, or at least some of them, may feel sometimes like we're just repeating this because we're supposed to, right. <laughs> or mm. this, is, this is what this is what we've done. But is it really having the desired result? Is it really taking us to a destination? Mm-hmm. Other people I'll visit mm-hmm. with say, you know, it feels like I'm on a train, and it, the train keeps breaking down. Or it right. feels like I'm on a train, and I'm sort of looking out the window, but it's fuzzy, and I can't see anything. I, I, I don't really know what is happening. <laughs> right, right. Uh, other people will, uh, get into a station and, and they'll say, all right, I know exactly where I want to go, but then when they get there and the doors open, it's an entirely different location than what they were expecting. Hmm. And so you start to put hmm. this into a, a real life scenario. Um, hmm. and, and for some people it's kind of scary. Uh, there was one I, I was visiting with yeah. um, uh, this 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 great gal uh, very involved in women's ministry, mm-hmm. and she said, "You know, it feels like so many times our success is based on the next best greatest Bible study we're going to do, or speaker we're going to bring, or event we're going to host, and our job is just to get more and more people to this." Hmm. And and she said, "Is that really?" Does that really define the destinations that we're going for in their lives? Yeah. And I had another pastor. This was just uh, um, uh, recently, uh, uh, Tyler. He's mm-hmm. been in ministry for 20 years, uh, has been part of what many would call successful churches for many of those years. Mm-hmm. And we were having this conversation, and he said, Clint, he said, it. I, I kind of came to this realization that We have been spending all of our time designing things to create numbers instead of to transform lives. Hmm. And he said, what this is beginning to do, it's beginning to give me this joy and this freedom. It's recapturing the joy of my calling, because if we can clearly define the destinations of growing fruit that we're really going for in people's lives, and then we can put tools into place uh, uh, that can help us know if what we're doing is actually moving the needle mm-hmm. in people's lives as we go, we can now get a lot more flexible. We, we can be more agile. We can adapt more. Um, he said the way that we're gonna begin training our lay leaders around this gives us these checkup loops that you talk yeah. about. And, and Mind the Gap digs into this. Right, There's right. so much in, in systems theory and, and the interdependence of systems that is so biblical. <laughs> it is so biblical. And yet again, uh, if you don't have this training or this perspective, you're not able to employ the kinds of things that help you take advantage of what God himself has designed. Mm.
0: So two big two big questions I have, and I would love to just hear a little bit of your reflection. I think one is on systems. So as I said earlier, I think I really value systems, organization got, you know, uh, valuing order, not chaos in organizations. Right. And so I would love to hear a little bit. You said it's super biblical. And so I'd love to hear a little bit more how we see this in God's word of, um, yeah, Yeah. structure systems. And then I guess the second question I had on that too is right. I think sometimes it feels like the destination's a moving target or it changes. And so I was even reflecting. I'm like, well, what is like grow? Like, what is a destination? Like, is it? And I was like, okay, like you know, we do all these things and do all these programs, but like, what what is the like? What what do we tr- like? And I'm as I'm thinking, I'm like, okay, have people look more like Jesus? Have people experience life change and transformation? Have people be f- marked by you know a life, uh, fruits of the spirit, right? Peace, patience, gentleness, kind, like all these things, and I feel like that's as I'm, as I'm reflecting, I'm like, oh, I guess that is a destination, right? And it's a continual yeah. destination in some sense, but would love to hear kind yeah. of uh, those I, two I, questions I, there. I want
1: to answer your, I want to respond to the second question first, because yeah. I think you're really hitting on something important here. Because a lot of folks in their thinking uh, go straight to the, to the fruits of the spirit, uh, you know, the, the love, joy, okay. peace, gentleness, patience, kindness, right? Sure. All, all of those. And that is true, absolutely true. The issue is that so many times we don't take it to a deeply practical, personal level hmm. that people can reflect on day by day. There could be a great sermon series on something, and people nod, and they even, you know, yes, absolutely. And hmm. you can demonstrate aspects of that. But when you begin to say, all right, we're actually going to put into place the top things that we feel God calling our church and our people to uniquely in our context— hmm and you start to put some of those I statements together, like the ones that I mentioned before, mm-hmm. what, what you do then is, is you say, you know, our success is ultimately helping people to always or often be growing in these areas. <laughs> so, so you look at some of these. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'll, I'll even give you a few more. Sure. Uh, one might be, I am pursuing healing in mm-hmm. specific areas in my life where I need transformation right now. Th- does my life reflect that often or always? Or, or, if I'm honest, is that just every now and then, maybe sometimes, or hmm. really rarely? Um, I see. Hmm. Y- y- you know, yeah. I, yeah. I I uh, I seek where God is moving around me, where I live, work, and play. I seek this hmm. um, so I can join Him in what He's doing. How intentional are we? Am I? If uh-huh. I'm honest, if I'm if I'm honest in front of a, a holy God, hmm. and I were to pray through these, where am I right now, God? am, am I Am I, if mm. I'm honest, am I, am I not really doing that right now? I'm so busy. Or, or hey, I've got my task list to do. Oh, yeah. Right, Tyler? <laughs> oh yeah, I love my task <laughs> list. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm so <laughs> if I'm honest, yeah, I've got, I've got to say, no, I'm really not doing that at all right now. Mm. And so once again, there are beautiful ways, and this is some of that research background, but there's mm-hmm. beautiful ways to measure this. Mm. In in a relational manner that doesn't feel weird or doesn't feel legalistic or doesn't feel Mm. like it's just a checklist. But when you start phrasing things based upon those practical and personal uh, areas of our lives where where that should begin overflowing more and more. If our life isn't marked as always or often in these kinds of things that the church defines, that's how we know, oh, well, the stuff that we're doing isn't having the desired effect. And then, you know, I know you've got some research in your background, too. And so you, you know, you you nerd out a little over this. But Hmm. but because you can do this from a demographic perspective, it's so cool because you can start to get a handle on where certain demographics or certain types of participation or non-participation can either help or hurt people experiencing this kind of growth in their life. Mm -hmm. So you can say, whoa, our 20-somethings are totally getting this very specific aspect uh, if they've engaged in this over here, but our 40-somethings aren't. And every time I engage in a process like this one with a church, Hmm. um, and you begin to get results back from this, and you begin to get anecdotal feedback from lay leaders who are having kind of trained conversations around it, there's stuff that affirms things that they were suspecting but then there are other results that are shockers hmm. every single time. <laughs> and they. <laughs> right. I once had a pastor t- kind of slamming the table, uh, not in a negative way, but just in a kind of I can't yeah. believe kind of way. I can't believe they're not getting this. And, and, and he and he, he chuckled mm-hmm. under his breath, and he said, maybe they didn't understand the question. And then all of us around the table, we read the question, and it was just some very basic Completely understand, you know, it's very understandable. Right, right. And, and so it's this beautiful thing hmm. because all of a sudden it frees you to then say, oh, now we know what's really going on. And now we can take next steps to find out why that's going on. What are the real barriers? And that's that feedback loop, the checkup loop that I mentioned. So you, you actually then will, through your lay leaders. Mm-hmm throughout the church, begin having a series of conversations that are very intentional around hmm. that so you know why it's happening. And then you say, oh, well, we need to not do this next Bible study next fall. We need to do this one instead. Hmm. Or, 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 you know what I mean? So no, then that's you good. can start, yeah. yeah, then you can start planning your stations and trains differently uh, based on what you really know.
0: Yeah. This comes to mind, maybe you've seen this, and it's probably some, some type of psych, psychology type, like it's like almost like um, four quadrants, right? And in the bottom right is like what you you don't know and what you can't see, right? And so it's like almost like that blind side. And then you have like what you know and what you kind of like repress or like don't want to, you know, dig in there. And then it's like. And so I, I think that bringing that to awareness is, is oh, well, I, I never considered why the, the isn't, this isn't working like that, you know. or Yeah, and I, so that's good. I,
1: I love that. It, you know, chapter two digs yeah. a lot into evaluation and, and even the fears of evaluation that many, right. many pastors and other leaders may have. And just looking at that in a biblical way, mm-hmm. you know, and, and how, gosh, God, God doesn't want to call us to just running the events.
2: Mm-hmm, God, God mm-hmm. is
1: calling us to something much deeper to really engage in a deep way. And so when you, when you start to realize that this kind of approach actually brings that kind of joy that I mentioned, mm-hmm. it, it, and, and knowing that it actually invigorates your lay leaders and it invigorates your staff, because you know that you're not just spinning your wheels. You, you actually know mm-hmm, that you're mm-hmm. focusing on the right things at the right time. Mm-hmm. It, it brings this wonderful uh, excitement and even a greater openness to what God wants to do, instead of leaning into what many times is more like our ministry calendar, you know. Um, right, right. There, you know, yeah. it really does relate to the interdependence of systems. You you asked about that too. Yeah. Um, yeah. The you know it, it it doesn't take much reflection on Scripture, but both in the Old Testament and New Testament, to remember how unbelievably God has wired us as people, how he's wired the universe. Just look up at the stars, right? We, we look at, we look in Psalms, we look in Job, we, uh, Abraham, David, uh, right? We, we, we start to see these beautiful reflections of the complexity of how God has woven things mm. together, but he's done so in a way that gives us patterns, that does give us the kind of order That's that you true. mentioned before. And so... Yeah. You know the, the ancient occupations of shepherding and fishing and building and and, and um, uh, farming uh, they still apply today if if you start to look more deeply and, and so just mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. just a few examples yeah, of the yeah, overlap that's good. Um, you know how those relate to, to mm-hmm. this idea of interconnected systems um, all of those all of those things that that we're constantly coached on in scripture do reflect a, a patterned activity. And if you look at those different occupations, there's consistent patterned activity. Mm-hmm. Um, they also require keen observation of everything. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you and perhaps other pastors or or even listeners mm-hmm. who have been to messages where the pastors referred to, to ancient shepherds and farmers and the kinds of detail, uh both in the times of scripture but but more importantly still today there's so much that requires observation for you to take the right next step mm-hmm. they, they also require you to adapt quickly to circumstances and, and that's where we don't uh that's where we don't always feel like we're equipped yeah, right as we so talked right. about before mm-hmm. uh, there's a handing down of practical knowledge You know, this is where I love the idea of the power of mentoring and kind of one Mm. disciple to another disciple, the disciple multiplication piece, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, They they also embody a system, not systems, plural. And so, again, a lot of churches, Mm. a lot of well-intended churches have a system for one ministry over here, and and they work really hard to run that ministry well. Then they have another ministry with a different system over here, and they work hard to run that well. Hmm. And, you know, they sometimes talk with one another, right? Then they say, oh, sure, we're going for the overall mission, but then they they, they go back and they run and they plan their own things. Instead of looking at it in more of this beautiful way of how do we connect the trains and and stations so that people are getting to the right destinations. Mm, And that that is an interdependent system. And uh, Mm -hmm. uh, if we're going to be effective leaders uh, in the church, we really have to pay much more attention to the reality, this is how God has designed uh mm-hmm. most of life and uh, mm-hmm. and it really does change the way we think and the way we respond
2: mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. I, I didn't I never thought of the interconnectedness and um, I mean even as I'm reflecting on my experience right our senior pastor likes to cross train a lot of you know folks in ministry so that they're they see you know how our family life ministry operates. they see how our discipleship you know our discipleship tree operates. And then our, you know, our, to start kind of, kind of traditional adult, you know, Sunday service or whatever. And so seeing how there is some connection and some level of, um, I don't know if the right word, what the right word is, but yeah, I guess just this connection. And so that you see there is a direction that it's going right. And it's not like they're, they're shooting almost like shooting stars going in different directions, but they are kind of moving in a particular way that way because people come and people have you know we like to break up into these different ministries but people come and they bring themselves into everything for the most unless you're you know so you'll you'll have crossover right and so like how do we how are we connected and staying you know that obviously we're not in silos right and so that we're able to to understand what we're doing here is impacting you know how they're you know leading in the in another you know, program or whatever, another component of the church that's helping to lift and, and edify it. So, now, i I'm just reflecting yeah. now. yeah, Love it. Absolutely. Yeah. And so, well, Clint, this has been really, you know, illuminating and uh, it's exciting and hopefully is encouraging for folks to think about their own, you know, leadership, how they're um, doing ministry now, whether it's, you know, at the pastoral level or, you know, or they're, serving as a, you know, a life group or a connect group leader or, or, you know, volunteering, whatever that capacity is, but are thinking about, you know, their own processes and systems and how we're, you know, look, desiring for people to be, to look and live more like Jesus. And so, um, well, thank you. Just, is there anything else you wanted to add or and also where we can find you before we close out for today?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um I, I would just encourage all of your listeners if you're listening to this, I would encourage you to uh get a copy of the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, the website is go GoMindTheGap.com. Mm-hmm. go it, it it's uh you know, it, it's interesting so many pastors and leaders say how helpful it is to them not only in their planning but to take their lay leader training to a whole other level. And, and even for those who don't consider themselves to be leaders in the church, I, I would just challenge you. If you consider yourself not to be a leader, I, I would challenge you to say, gosh, uh, if, if you are on a faith journey uh, with Jesus, he is calling you to be a leader mm. in your
2: world. Mm-hmm. He
1: is calling you to be a catalyst mm-hmm. for disciple-making in your church. And, and so I would say you, mm-hmm. you are a leader. Uh, there have been many people mm-hmm. who have shared with me that these principles make a huge impact in their family because as mm-hmm. they start to think about stations, those pivotal moments that begin to get you into new habits or, or, or different things as a family or in your relationship with your spouse, you know one person just the other day said this actually made a massive impact in a conflict that my uh, that my wife and I were having, uh, because when I realized, my goodness, i was I was just trying to get her on a train. <laughs> right. kind of like, like put her in a catapult and, and shoot her onto the top of a train instead of saying hey what are the right stations here that we need to be doing together and engaging in together in more of a relational way that makes sense and so so much of this uh, God hmm. uses to begin to bubble up this great freedom hmm. and joy so uh, so I would just pray mm-hmm. that it would make an impact uh, in a lot of people's lives
2: yeah
0: absolutely that's, that's my prayer as well and so well, Clint, thank you so much for for joining today, and to look for, look forward to uh, to staying connected. Thanks, Tyler. Same
2: thanks.